It is a Monday, which means it is time to break down all of the NFL action from the weekend. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, ages. you are listening live here to Brandon's World on a pack, a loaded sports week here on this Monday, October 3rd, 2022. We have a lot going on to begin this week, including, of course, the MLB playoffs kicking off on Friday. Extreme Rules as well this Saturday, streaming live on Peacock, along with all of our NFL action. So today, we are going to break down, as we always do, week four in the NFL. We come on here every Monday. We break down all the games that were played on Thursday and Sunday. Then on Thursday... We will be talking Cleveland Guardians. We will know who they will face in the postseason on Wednesday. We'll talk about it Thursday as game one of the wild card series will be on Friday. And not only that, not only that, but we're going to do the Extreme Rules preview. I'm going to give you my predictions for the Extreme Rules premium live event. Plus... We will break down week five in the NFL, give our picks as well as best bets. And then on Friday, we're going to be having a conversation. This will be airing at noon on Friday afternoon with my good buddy Sean Fitzgerald from WKSU and the Morning Journal, former sports director at Blackshore Radio. We will talk all things NFL along with the Cleveland Guardians and the new MLB rule changes. Plus, we'll throw in some things about our very own Cleveland Cavaliers, who, of course, acquired Donovan Mitchell and who had the potential to be one of the best teams in the NBA this season. So we talk all things sports with Sean. We're going to talk all things extreme rules. NFL Week 5, Guardians playoff preview on Thursday. So a loaded show. But today, we got to talk about the action we saw Thursday night and yesterday, week four in the NFL. So without further ado, let's go ahead and turn on that football music and get started with, of course, Thursday night football, the Bengals and Dolphins. Bengals end up winning the game 27-15. to Now, we all know this game changed when the Tua Tagovailoa injury happened. We all know the scary situation that happened with that. We all know the Dolphins' neurological you know, Doctor, I uh, got fired. We know two is going to be out this coming week against the New York Jets. Obviously, a very scary situation that, you know, we really don't have much time to comment on at this time. Besides the fact that we all, I think, you know, thought that Tua should not have played on Thursday night. And we see what happens with that. Obviously, I think the NFL has to do a better job at protecting players. But as we get into the game here, I said, you know, when we did our predictions on Thursday, I thought the Bengals were going to win the football game. I thought they were the more desperate team. Obviously, next Sunday night, they got the Ravens in Baltimore, a big game in the AFC North. After what Baltimore pulled off last week, uh, excuse me, yesterday against the Buffalo Bills, blowing another 17-point lead after that big win last week against the New England Patriots. So I thought the Bengals were the more desperate team. Dolphins were obviously 3-0, but they were going off a very hard game against the Bills on a short week with Tagovailoa banged up. We'll see, man. The Jets are playing with confidence. You know, Eddie Bridgewater, we'll see how he does for the Dolphins. 
Very interesting game at MetLife Stadium next Sunday. But yeah, no surprise here, really. Joe Burrow and that Bengals offensive line is getting better. I said I didn't think the Bengals were hungover. I thought Joe Burrow just didn't have enough time in the preseason to get acclimated with that new offensive line. We're seeing the Bengals on a roll here. And as I said, very interesting game. That's going to happen next Sunday night in Baltimore. Bengals get the win, though, 27-15. Next game, we got the Saints and the Vikings. Now, this game was in London. Vikings ended up winning it 28-25 after Will Watts, after nailing a 60-yarder, almost nailed a 61-yarder to tie the game and send it to overtime. It was the day of the kicker yesterday. Greg Joseph also had five field goals for Minnesota. Kirk Cousins did not play great, but he did not lose them the game either. I thought Minnesota got away with a couple of ticky-tack fouls, including the P.I. call on Marshawn Lattimore. But nonetheless, the Vikings end up pulling away a game that they should have won. The Saints looked impressive to me, obviously without Alvin Kamara, without Michael Thomas, without Jameis Winston. Andy Dalton was confident, put a few great balls up there to Chris Olave, especially to give Will Watts an opportunity to send the game into overtime late in the fourth quarter. Latavius Murray scored a touchdown, but yeah, that Saints offense really woke up in the second half with a lot of short passes and a lot of good completions down the field. I still don't think the Saints are a very good football team. I think they're going to struggle this season. But a hell of an effort. We know the London games are always weird sometimes. And the Vikings didn't seem like their offense was chugging on all cylinders. Alexander Madison had a receiving touchdown. Delvin Cook did not do that well in the game as he's still dealing with a shoulder injury. But nonetheless, good teams find a way to win the ball game. And that's what Minnesota did. Speaking of good teams finding a way to win ball games. The Cleveland Browns are not a very good football team because if they did not find a way to win this game against the Atlanta Falcons, now Marcus Mariota did not complete many passes. I believe he completed seven in the ball game total, one or two in the second half. And Atlanta, without Cordero Patterson, who went down with a knee injury in the second half, still continued to run the football all over this Cleveland defense. Obviously, no Miles Garrett due to his almost horrific and almost tragic accident. Miles Garrett is able to be lucky to be alive from that speeding incident he had. No Jadavion Clowney and the Browns defensive line really looked like they missed it in the run game because Atlanta, you know, Marcus Mariota did not run much. They used a plethora of backs and they just ran the ball down the Browns' throat. I thought the Browns used Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb way too much. They did not mix it up enough with the play action with Jacoby Brissett. They were not aggressive enough offensively through the air. Amari Cooper only had one catch and that's what happens when you get too conservative and you can't stop the run and you know they had two plays at the one yard line they could not cash in. It was just a multitude of errors. Atlanta was able to play for the most part clean football. Marcus Mariota did throw a interception on a great pass that was thrown, or a great ball, excuse me, that was picked off by Denzel Ward. But nonetheless, uh, the Atlanta Falcons defeat the Browns. Sorry, excuse for the, for the Browns. But you take a look at these opening four games. At Carolina versus the Jets versus Pittsburgh and then at Atlanta you thought at worst that could be three and one and here they are today sitting at two and two. 
Now, up next, we got the Jaguars and the Eagles. Philadelphia ended up winning this game 29-21 after being down 14-0 early in the first quarter. Jalen Ertz throwing a pick six. Eagles offense not looking in tune due to the rain. They were to bounce back and outscore Jacksonville the rest of the way, 29-7. Now, that was helped out by Trevor Lawrence fumbling the football twice. This was a rainstorm along with the Niners-Bears game week one. Jacksonville cannot control the football as well as Philadelphia. The Eagles with Fletcher Cox, you know, uh, Hargrave, Jordan Davis, Josh Sweat were able to control James Robinson, Travis Etienne on the ground, making it hard for Trevor Lawrence to throw the football through the air, and Doug Peterson's return to Philadelphia. I thought the Eagles showed a lot of resilience, man, because I was worried. Jacksonville was given six and a half points in this game, and it looked like real early that it was going to be an easy cover for the Jaguars when on the first two drives, Trevor Lawrence took the ball right down the field on this Philly defense, but the Eagles were able to respond, create turnovers, and score 21 points in the second quarter to take the lead. Philadelphia has a Buffalo, Kansas City-like knockout punch where they may not score a lot in the second half. Now, they were able to score a touchdown yesterday. Obviously, missed field goal by Jay Gowie and because of the conditions, along with a field goal late in the second half. So, they were able to put up some points. But they have a very good, solid defense. James Bradbury has been a wonderful addition at corner. Along with Kaiser White at linebacker, you had to do it that they can score quickly, whether it's on the ground or through the air. Jalen Hurts was able to get A.J. Brown going. And to me, the Eagles are one of the most complete teams, not only in the NFC, but in all of the NFL. Next week, they go to Arizona, which has typically been a bad place for Philadelphia to play. Interesting matchup there between Kyler Murray and Jaywood Ertz. I thought that Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson offensively did a good job, even though Christian Kirk did not catch his first pass till in the fourth quarter. They were able to move the ball. Jamal Agnew was able to get two touchdowns. So Jacksonville will be fine, and to me, they still look like the best team in the AFC South. Next game, we got the Cowboys and the Commanders, and Carson Wentz does not look good for the Commanders. It'll be interesting to see if Sam Howe comes in very soon for the Commanders, because ever since week one, Carson Wentz has not been the same quarterback. The Commanders have lost three straight. Cooper Rush looked like the better quarterback yesterday, was able to hit CeeDee Lamb right down the seam, and there could be a quarterback controversy in Dallas. Because of the fact that Cooper Rush is 4-0 in his first four career starts, obviously the one dating back to last year against Minnesota, and then three straight to begin the year this year, he's confident, he does not turn the football over, and he gets the ball to the right people. And this Cowboy offense has looked better, way better, I should say, than expected with Cooper Rush rather than Dak. It'll be interesting to see who starts a quarterback next week as the Cowboys go on the road, America's Game of the Week, to take on the Rams, who, who will be on a short week. Of course, the Rams play in San Francisco. Should be a good ball game tonight. Biggest takeaway is, like I said last week, when the Eagles were able to get to Wentz nine times, how do you think the Dallas defensive front is going to be able to get to Carson Wentz? They made his life a living L all day. 11 from heaven. Michael Parsons had, an, had another great game. And then the offense was able to turn it up in the second half. This game was not very entertaining at all. Giants-Bears. Bears scored four field goals. Giants scored two field goals and two rushing touchdowns by Daniel Jones. It was just as you expected from the Giants and Bears, right? Throw the two records out the window. They may both be 2-1. and one. 
Now the Giants three and one, the Bears two and two. These were two teams that we, you know, expected to be third or fourth and mostly in the divisions in the NFC North and the NFC East. But Daniel Jones is able to make better plays at home by 31 rushing attempts of Saquon Barkley rather than Justin Fields did for the Bears. And at least for Daniel Jones, he may not be very good. He may be getting hit a lot. But the fact of the matter is the Giants have three victories so far early on on this season. They just got finished playing their third straight consecutive home game before they go to London to take on the Green Bay Packers. So the schedule is certainly going to get rougher. I don't expect the Giants to be very good, but they have an offensive-minded coach in Brian Dable. Bears have a defensive-minded head coach in Matt Eberflus, and it's really showing because outside of Cole Command, you can make an argument for Darnell Mooney, but he's not a special wide receiver. There's not a lot of targets for Fields to go to. And Khalil Herbert, well, he's a good back and had success last week against Houston. He is not the answer. Well, David Montgomery is down right now and Fields running for his life because the offensive line is not very good either. I gotta tell you, going into the year, I thought the Jets had one of the best drafts we talked about, right? Jermaine Johnson. Sauce Gardner, Gary Wilson. You added that what they had already in, in Elijah Moore. The drafted Brees Hall to go with Michael Carter. I thought the Jets had some pieces offensively. If Zach Wilson could get them the ball and Kenny Pickett and the Pittsburgh Steelers, after Kenny Pickett was inserted at halftime for Mitch Trubisky, Pickett, he did rush for two touchdowns, but he also threw three interceptions. Jets on a tremendous comeback win, a great win for building their culture. First four games this season, they played the AFC North, and they went out of that two and two. You know, before the season, I thought they could potentially start the year 0 and four, and here they are two and two. And Zach Wilson missed the first three games of the season. Both of the wins have been on the road too, in hard environments. Maybe they shouldn't have beat the Browns, but they did. Maybe they shouldn't have beat the Steelers yesterday, but they did. It is about wins and losses, W's and L's in this league. And the Jets have more wins than the Steelers. The Steelers are 1-3. And, and they have a very overrated wide receiving core, in my opinion. And not a very good offensive line for that great running back, Najee Harris, to run behind. And without TJ Watt, that defensive line does not get nearly as much pressure as it does. That's why T.J. Watt is one of the most valuable players in the entire National Football League. And the Steelers, man, yeah, Mike Tomlin made that switch to Mitch Trubisky to Kenny Pickett at halftime, but it did not work because Pickett turned the ball over three times and he did not look comfortable. He did not like going through his reads very much. He was not very comfortable at all in that offense, just heaving passes pretty much all, all over the place. Not really going through his progressions. It'll be interesting to see what we see from Pittsburgh moving forward. I don't think you can necessarily put Mr. Trubisky back in. I think this is Kenny Pickett's team now. I think he's going to make his first career start next week. We know the Steelers are a proud franchise. But going up to Buffalo, man, where they did beat him last week in week one. And Buffalo has certainly struggled more than they had the first two weeks, these last two weeks. But Buffalo is still 3-1 and, and arguably the best team in the AFC. I'm not sure if this was the right time to put in Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh or not. And a real disappointing season to start it off for the Steelers. Speaking of Buffalo, the Ravens, man. I do not get this. They were up 20 to 3 on the Bills at one point. They lost the game 23 to 20. And I thought the Ravens going into this season 
were one of the best teams in the National Football League. I thought they nailed the draft like they seemingly always do, right? And Kyle Hamilton, the safety out of Notre Dame, really shoring up those corners, adding Duvernay, the rookie wide receiver, to go along with, with a healthy Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, and that running game. But their defense is still not good. They're still giving up big plays in the secondary week after week, and Josh Allen was able to heat up and make it some spectacular plays, including that rushing touchdown, and Buffalo finally won a close game with Tyler Bass hitting the game-winning field goal as time expired. Obviously, Buffalo went for it on fourth down, did not love that call when it was 20-20. to 20. I think you take the field goal, you give your defense the lead, and at the very worst, what you're hoping is kick the field goal, we go to overtime, we can get the ball, and I can let my magic quarterback, Lamar Jackson, do his thing. John Arbaugh is a great head coach, but that's all he really is, is a head coach. He is a special teams coach. He does not call offensive plays. He does not call defensive plays. He does not have an offensive background. He does not have a defensive background. He is very good at managing his talent. But in terms of urgency, I think he sometimes can get a little bit too aggressive and play too much in analytics. The right play there was to take the field goal and bubble offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey and Sean McDermott and Corey Leslie Frazier, their defensive coordinator, shut down the Ravens in the second half. Again, it's a scary turn for Baltimore, who I thought was going to be one of the best teams in the league this year. Here they are at 2-2 two and two in a pivotal AFC North battle, as we mentioned previously, with the Bengals in Maryland this coming Sunday on Sunday Night Football. Chargers-Texans. Now, I did have Houston in the upset in this game. I was not sure how Justin Herbert and the Chargers were going to come out and play. I thought revenge would be on their minds, certainly, after last year getting knocked off by a worse Houston Texans team. But I got to tell you, at one point, this game was 27-7, and the Texans outscored the Chargers the rest of the way by a 17-10 margin. At one point, it was 27-24. Chargers got a white touchdown. Austin Eckler, who did not have a touchdown going into this game, had three of them and really pumped up his value for you fantasy players out there. But Davis Mills, Davis Mills can play. I've been saying it all year long, really, ever since week one when they tied with the Indianapolis Colts. I was impressed by the way Mills played. He's confident in the pocket. They have Brandon Cooks. They have O.J. Howard. They have Damian Pierce, who had a nice 75-yard touchdown run. So they have some pieces on offense. Their defense leaves a lot to be desired. We saw Herbert and Eckler, Mike Williams, and Gerald Everett pick them apart yesterday. Nice bounce back from Brandon Staley. Chargers really needed it going up in this gauntlet of a division with Vegas and Denver playing yesterday along with Kansas City on Sunday night. We saw what they did at Tampa. We'll get to them in a little bit. Chargers needed this one, though, and a good bounce back for Herbert, who did not have a great second half, but he always put some great numbers, man, throwing all, all over the yard against Houston. One thing I would like for them to do, really, is run the football more. Houston may be 0-3-1, but they're certainly a competitive 0-3-1, and at least they will not finish 0-17, if you will, this year. I think they are good enough to win a couple games. They remind me a lot of the Lions last year, where they're really feisty. You don't expect them to put up a good fight. They have not laid an egg at all at, at the end of games this season. 
their biggest egg they laid was yesterday in the first half against the Chargers, and they just could not quite overcome it. Speaking of weighing an egg, I mentioned it last week, but I do feel like Frank Reich's time as the Indianapolis Colts head coach is coming to an end. The Colts are 1-2-1. and one. They have played two home games. They are 1-1 one and one in those games. They are 0-1-1 on the road, losing to Jacksonville and tying to Houston. They came back. They played the Chiefs really well, but they also lost to Tennessee at home, which means they have not won a divisional game yet this season. We know the Tennessee Titans own the Indianapolis Colts, and for how much Tennessee is flawed, and they are flawed. They do not have a great passing game, but the Colts do not have a great secondary, which my NL looked okay yesterday. They're very Derrick Henry dependent. But the Colts now, who go on the road to Denver, who do have their own struggles. But if Indianapolis does not have Jonathan Taylor, who injured his ankle after only having 42 yards in the game yesterday, going up to the fourth quarter, I am very concerned about the Colts. With Matt Ryan, who they made that acquisition at quarterback, they have not found a quarterback yet since Andrew Luck retired, and that trend will seemingly continue this season because of the way Matt Ryan is playing. The Colts seem dead. Yes, Jacksonville is leading or tied for the division lead with Tennessee at 2-2. Two two. Yes, the Colts are, all, are only a game back in the uh, win column, and they are tied in the wash column at 1-2-1. One, one. So this is really, you know, anybody's ball game in the AFC South. But Indianapolis does not seem like they have the juice they did last year. People are starting to put the book out on Jonathan Taylor. Tennessee starting to use their offensive line to their advantage a little bit more with Derrick Henry. We know Mike Vrabel is a very tough coach. They have bounced back the last two weeks after being blown out by Buffalo in an embarrassing fashion on Monday Night Football and losing that embarrassing way to the New York Giants in Week 1. So it looks like Tennessee still has a leg up on the Colts. Now, as much as I love Dan Campbell, I got to admit, man, the Lions' defense is awful, okay? Maybe we all underestimated Geno Smith because the Seahawks have weapons. Tyler Lockett, Noah Fan, DK Metcalf, Dwayne Esprit. They drafted two tackles in the draft. They both look to be excellent. Defensively, Davion Taylor, you know, they've a defensive line is kind of broken out. They lost Jamal Adams for the year. They can't really cover anybody in the secondary with my TJ Hawkinson had a huge game for the Lions with a Monsane Brown out. Jared Goff looks very comfortable in a dough. He's played well for the Lions. Obviously put up 45 points yesterday. But I'm very concerned about this Lions defense who, you know, week one gave up 38 to Philadelphia. Week two almost let the Carson Wentz Commanders come back. Last week, blew the lead to Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, and the Vikings. And then this week, gave up 48 points to Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks. And a Seahawks team who I certainly thought would be in great contention for the number one pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. And go get Bryce Young or go get C.J. Stroud, whichever quarterback they liked right now. They seem like a couple defensive players and maybe a quarterback away from really contending in a weaker NFC West than we thought. Again, they have the pieces offensively. They got Jamal Adams in the secondary. They got Sidney Jones, you know, Coleman. 
I would argue they may need one more corner and some defensive pass rush to go along with, again, a potential quarterback that's not Geno Smith, because I don't think Geno Smith can take you to the, to the promised land, but he's played a lot better, and that offensive line has kept him clean. They have a lot of running backs in Kenneth Walker, Rashard Penny, like, you start looking around, and there may be worse teams off in the NFL right now than the Seattle Seahawks. But if you're a Lions fan, you are 1-3, and three, and to me, a disappointed 1-3, and three because all three of your losses, especially, you know, the two against Seattle and Minnesota, could have been Ws. You could be 3-1, and one, and you're 1-3. and three. We all love Dan Campbell, but how much more patient are we going to be with the Lions head coach? All right, Arizona, Carolina. Arizona pulled another rabbit out of the half where they significantly struggled in the first half, but then they beat up on an inferior team in the second half. Baker Mayfield getting nine passes batted. He was getting passes batted all over the place. All he could really do was check it down to Christian McCaffrey, who all of a sudden has turned more into a wide receiver than a running back. But the Carolina Panthers are a very bad football team. They could very well be 0-4. And while Arizona isn't great either, Kyler Murray is at two halves this year, both on the road. Second half at Vegas, week two. Second half at Carolina, week four. Where he has completely taken over the ball game and really won Arizona to victory, or Arizona could be 0-4 as well. I don't think he's great without DeAndre Hopkins. I think it's a, it's a little bit too reliant on Zach Ertz. They did bring back Rondell Moore into the receiving core, but he does not look comfortable. And to me, Philadelphia has a great defensive line. Arizona does not have a great offensive line. It's going to be a real interesting matchup next week when Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray square off in the home of Super Bowl 57. Now, I did call in my best bets. I did call Vegas. We said they were going to bounce back. Minus two against the Denver Broncos. They did so because Nathaniel Hackett is not a head coach. 32-23, uh, Vegas gets the victory, as I mentioned. Nathaniel Hackett is not a head coach. He is a coordinator. And even then, I'm not even sure he's a coordinator because I'm not sure what he did in Green Bay to help Aaron Rodgers. Because their play calls are very vanilla. They don't use a lot of motion. It's very predictable. Guys are not open. And Russell Wilson seemingly looks like he hit the wall for Denver. But as I mentioned, Vegas is a very desperate team. They were 0-3. They have to go on the road next week to Kansas City. Which is not going to be fun after what we saw Sunday night. They're probably going to drop to 1-4 on the year. Which may already detriment your season. But you cannot go 0-5 with 0-3 in the division. I thought Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, Darren Waller got on the same page yesterday. It's what I envisioned for the Las Vegas Raiders when they originally started out as members of the Las Vegas Raiders this season. I was very high on the Raiders for this reason because of their explosive offense. And that's what we got yesterday in Denver against Nathaniel Ackett. Is not there. I think we kind of all overrated the Denver Broncos a little bit. They're not the team that we thought they were going into this season. And so far, it looks like nobody in that AFC West can compete with Kansas City for a division that we thought was going to be so tough. Kansas City without Tyreek Hill 
may end up running away with the division. But again, a much-needed win for the Las Vegas Raiders. Next game, we got the Packers and the Patriots. Now, I said I thought Bill Belichick would cover this game. It's why I didn't bet the 9.5-point spread. But who would have thought that Bailey Zappi, out of all people, would almost defeat the Green Bay Packers, let alone be the first guy this season as a rookie to toss a touchdown pass and a call that obviously should have been a delay game. We all know it wasn't called, but nonetheless, Bailey Zappi is the guy now for New England after Bryant Oyer got a concussion. Looks like he will be in line to start next week against a very desperate Lions team that's a sneaky, interesting one o'clock game next week up in Foxborough. But Bailey Zappi, one thing he holds the ball a little bit too long for my liking. That may be again because New England doesn't have a lot of explosive playmakers down the field. But he is quick. He can make his reads. He's certainly very comfortable with, within that pocket. And credit to New England for giving all they had. They were up 10-3 to and out thanks to a pick six on a terribly thrown ball by Aaron Rodgers who did bounce back in the second half, throwing that one touchdown to Romeo Dobbs. Should have had a second one, but Dobbs ended up driving the football, as we know, in the back of the end zone. But Green Bay was able to pull away in overtime, 27-24. Again, big credit to New England for sticking in this game. And Green Bay reminds me a lot of the Browns. They remind me a lot of... You know, the Browns, as I said, where they are a running football team. They are one-dimensional. They don't have a lot of wide receivers. It's why I don't think they are a Super Bowl contender. I think they are certainly a playoff contender. But I don't know about Super Bowl because I don't think that they are special on the outside. If Romeo Dobbs developed and Christian Watson, who got a great rushing touchdown on a sweep, can do that, Yes, I will give credit, and they are 2-2, two and two, and I think they still are going to win the, the NFC North. But I think Devontae Adams is a huge missing piece from that offense. I don't think Alan Lazard, Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson can fix that, and I don't think that Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are going to be able to do so either. They're going to have to rely on Jair Alexander, Preston Smith, and that defense. Bottom line for New England is, as well-coached as they are, as well as they played, they are 1-3, and, and they very well could be 0-4, barely squeaking by the now-benched Mitch Trubisky and the Pittsburgh Steelers. New England is in last place in the AFC East, and it's not really that much surprising when you take a look at the weapons the Bills, Dolphins, and even the Jets have, and again, if they can get competent quarterback play with Zach Wilson compared to what's up there in Foxborough. Then finally, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers cannot stop the Kansas City Chiefs. You knew after after that opening fumble, the route was on. Kansas City was up 21 to three at one point. They did not look back. They ended up putting up another 20 points, even though Tampa Bay put up 28. But it did not matter because Kansas City really controlled the game throughout, winning the ball game 41 to 31, and Kansas City got revenge in the Super Bowl, flexing and showing dominance. So in our best bets, we did it. Minnesota minus two and a half. Thanks to the Will Watts missed field goal. We missed the Browns. They won us down against the Atlanta Falcons. Missed the Detroit Lions. They were supposed to win by at least five points. The spread was four and a half. But they ended up losing in a bad way, as we mentioned, to Seattle. 
Arizona did win a cover. That was a good one against Carolina. Along with Vegas, we had minus two against the Denver Broncos. So we went three and five once again for the third consecutive week. We are now 11 for 20 on the season, which is a little bit better than 50%. I will take it. Along with in our straight-up money line this week, we had our first winning week. We went 9-6, and six, so we're open the Niners hit tonight. I think the Niners, Jimmy Garoppolo, bounces back, has a good game against Matthew Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams. If that's it, the Niners will be 10-6 on the straight-up money line. And we'll be back Thursday making our predictions for the money line and best bets for week five. Until then, I hope you guys have a great week. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Brandon Lewis underscore seven. You can follow the show personally at real underscore B-Roll. And we'll see you guys then. Peace.